Welcome to the Light of God's Word broadcast, a broadcast that shines the light of God's Word through expositional teaching of the Word of God. This broadcast is a ministry of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church in Lewisburg, Tennessee. You can find out more information about our church at www.lewisburglighthouse.com. Hello there, and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, where we will continue our study of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthian church. And as we're going through, we're looking at some difficulties and some problems within the church of Corinth that the Christians at that church was facing. Now, sometimes if we're not careful, what we will do is we will almost look at the Corinthian church like, how dare you be so wicked, and how dare you be so wrong and challenged in so many areas. But one of the things I've found is I've studied through the book of 1 Corinthians and I've preached through the book of 1 Corinthians, I find that the Corinthian church dealt with a lot of the same problems that you and I as believers in this day and time still face within the church. And so we're going to pick up today at verse number 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to continue to study some challenges that that are faced. In verse 6, the Bible says, "...in these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Now ye are full." Now ye are rich, ye have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, as they were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place, and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled. We bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as filth of the world and are the offscurring of all things unto this day. And that's reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13. There was an English missionary doctor in the Congo, Africa, from 1953 to 1973, 20 years uh, she spent as the only doctor at a rather large hospital. Uh, there were constant interruptions and shortages. She was becoming increasingly impatient and irritable with everyone around her due to the constant interruptions and the shortages. And finally, one of the African pastors insisted, Helen, please come with me. And he took Helen to his humble house, and he told her that she was going to have a retreat. Two days of silence, two days of solitude, and she was to pray until her attitude adjusted. By the way, can I say a great attitude adjustment is talking to the Lord. I'm going to just tell you that's a great way uh, to find peace and also to find correction as you pray to the Lord. All night, the next day, this lady struggled. She prayed, but her prayers seemed to bounce off the ceiling, and late one Sunday night, she sat beside the pastor around a little campfire. She was very humble, almost desperate, and she confessed to this pastor that she just was stuck. With his bare toe, the pastor drew a long, straight line on the dusty ground, and he said, that is the problem. There's too much 
I in your service. Then he gave her a suggestion. He said, I've noticed that quite often you take a coffee break and hold the hot coffee in your hands waiting for it to cool. And then he drew another line across the first one. He said, from now on, as the coffee cools, ask the Lord to cross out the eye and make me more like you. In the dust of that African ground where a cross had formed with the two lines, she learned a great principle of Jesus Christ. Freedom comes through service, and service comes from letting go of our pride. Now, one could call this the theology of the cross, and it's understanding how we live our lives as believers in view of the cross. This was one of the major challenges that the Corinthian church faced. They had come to faith in Christ through Paul's ministry and teaching and preaching to them. He had planted the church. He was their spiritual father in the faith, but now 18 months of church planting had passed. Paul had moved away from Corinth, and Apollos then comes to Corinth as the pastor of the congregation. And people in the congregation were divided over, who do I follow as my leader? There were some who followed Paul, and some followed Apollos, and others followed uh, Cephas, who was also known as Peter. And so the believers in the Corinth were struggling with their pride in their favorite leader, and it was tearing the church apart. And in this passage that we're going to begin looking at today, Paul focuses their attention on the appropriate response to church leadership the appropriate response to church leadership. First of all, there is a responsibility. Now, this is a word that in our society and in our day uh, is not a word that's much talked about. We often see people who are not held accountable for their actions, and they're not called upon to be responsible. They live life as is pleasing to them. And the Apostle Paul was concerned about how these believers in Corinth were responding both to himself but also to Apollos, and he wanted the believers to respond appropriately to the leadership in the church. And by the way, where there's division, there's a lack of uh, responding appropriately to leadership in the church. And, And he set down several responsibilities for the believers on how to respond then to church leadership. So let's look at those today in Scripture. Number one, uh, believers must submit to Scripture. In verse number six, the beginning part, he says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes. Now, the words these things here refer to what he had said in a previous paragraph, particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, where he refers to himself as a minister. And he also called Apollos a minister of Christ and stewards or managers of the mysteries of God. In other words, they were in submission and in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that Paul shared that with the believers here in Corinth is he says in the last part of verse 6, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Paul knew that these believers in Corinth were being puffed up, and they were acting in favor of one leader against the other, and this simply was wrong. It was inappropriate. And so Paul gives his outlook on how believers should respond appropriately to church leadership, which is that believers should submit to Scripture. Now, I understand it's an incumbent upon the church leadership to live according to Scripture, and we dealt with a faithful minister over the last two broadcasts. But as we look at this, 
we find that men, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. See, one of the issues sometimes we have, even in faulty response to leadership, and that many people would say, well, that's fine, it's okay, is that they submit to leadership over Scripture. And when leadership goes against the grain of Scripture, now you have a responsibility to show where your loyalty lies. And the key here is you should not think of men above that which is written. What is written? The Word of God. And Paul is indicating his own submission to Scripture. And he wanted the Corinthian believers to do the same thing. Paul had already referred to Old Testament texts throughout his letter. And this was the scriptures that they would have in that day. It's likely that he had these passages in mind as he wrote this instruction to the believers. And so as believers, we are to respond appropriately to church leadership by submitting to scripture. The Bible is our God. And anytime you have a leader that, that teaches you something that isn't in line with Scripture, you must discard it and submit to Scripture above all. Uh, there was a preacher many years ago. He said that preachers have no authority to bind believers' conscience to their pious advice, no matter how good it may be, but they do have God's authority to bind believers' consciences to the Word of God. Can I tell you, no one in the world uh, is is obligated to follow my ever women wish. But can I tell you this as believers, we are obligated to follow every single command that God has given us in Scripture. And the reason for obeying what is said is not because the preacher said it, but not because maybe even grandma said it or or not because your parents taught you this or your your teachers taught you this in school, but rather the reason for obeying what is written is because God said it. And so believers have a responsibility. They are to respond appropriately to church leadership by submitting to Scripture. Number two, believers need to recognize that all the gifts that they have come from God. Verse 7, for who maketh thee to differ from another? Paul in this asked three questions to help the Corinthian believers see that their gifts came from God. The first one was, for who maketh thee to differ from another? Now, the expected answer is a rhetorical question, I believe, but the expected answer is no one. And all the different groups in Corinth were elevating themselves over one another. They really weren't better than anybody else. They didn't do anything to be different. God made them different. To prove his point, he asked a second question. He says, and what hast thou done? What hast thou that thou didst not receive? All the gifts that the Corinthian believers possessed were given to them by the Holy Spirit. So what basis did they have for pride? I find it oftentimes, by the way, we get puffed up in pride over things that we haven't even done or have no impact on. Many times people get puffed up in pride because their favorite team that they cheer for won the biggest event in their sport. And boy, they'll sometimes get puffed up with pride and think they're better than everyone else because their team is winning. And I oftentimes want to look at them and go, and what did you do to help? You went to, you went to the store and bought a shirt that that advertises for them? No, it was the players on the field that did that. And in this case, many times we will take pride in who we are and what we are, and we had nothing to do with it. They had no basis for pride whatsoever because everything they possessed were simply free gifts given to them by God. And then on verse 7, Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? They didn't create the gifts themselves. 
They were given to them, as I said, by the Holy Spirit. So there's no room for pride. One preacher concludes it this way. He says, if we have a good pastor, God gave him to us. If we have good parents, God gave them to us. If we live in a good country, God gave it to us. If we have a good mind, we have creative talent, God gave it to us. We have no reason to boast either in people or possessions because every gift we have is from God. By the way, this isn't just for ministers, but this is all Christians. We're all God's stewards of what he owns. We are simply managers. He's the one that owns it. We're simply managers. And so believers respond appropriately to church leadership by submitting to Scripture. Second, by recognizing that their gifts come from God. And thirdly, they need to recognize that they have not yet begun to reign. One of the problems that Paul faced with the Corinthian believers is that they believe that they had arrived spiritually. Can I tell you something that's not going to be good for your pride? You've not arrived. But I'll confess, I've not arrived either. But many people often fall into the same trap that the church at Corinth did, where they believe they have arrived spiritually. They've been blessed with every kind of spiritual gift. They believe that they received all that there was to receive. And the Apostle Paul's perspective, which he shared with other New Testament writers, is this idea of already but not yet, which means that the blessings of God have come upon believers, but we haven't been able to completely realize them yet. In other words, they believe that they had already received everything God had to offer. And can I tell you this? God's got many blessings and many gifts still to bestow. And that's why Paul said with a little bit of biting sarcasm in verse 8, now you are full, now you are rich, you have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God, you did reign, that we might also reign with you. Believers will reign with Christ one day, but not now. We have many spiritual blessings now, but we've not received them in full and final measure, and believers need to recognize that you've not yet begun to reign. You have not arrived spiritually. So believers will respond appropriately to church leadership by submitting to Scripture, by recognizing that their gifts come from God and recognizing they've not yet begun to reign. You know, part of our responsibility is recognizing, as we would sing as children, but oftentimes I think as adults we, we, we grow up and think that's not for us anymore, but it is. The old song you learned as a child, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. Thank you for listening, and remember this week to be a light to others so that through you they may see the glory of God.